11 Personnel is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Ram tickets' prices tend to drop right before game time? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can do the same thing. Just download the Game Time app, and if you want to go to the Bears Rams game on Sunday, which is right now a must-win. Let's face it, the Rams have to win in order to keep their playoffs hopes alive. Just download the app, wait until the perfect time, and then tap into it, and you can get into the Rams game for a lot cheaper than you would by buying tickets right now or through secondary market uh, on your own. So download the Game Time app. Everyone's doing it, and it's a great deal. Welcome back, Rams fan, despondent Rams fan. I know that uh, you know I can I can sense the frustration and rightfully so. Um, really bad performance uh, on Sunday in Pittsburgh. This is eleven personnel. I'm Vinny Bonsignor with the Athletic. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Rich Hammond, also from the Athletic, and we're trying to make sense of what just happened to the Rams coming off their bye week, coming off two wins in a row against the Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons. Everything seemed to be pointing in the right direction, only for the Rams to completely lay an egg in Pittsburgh. They couldn't have gotten off to a worse start to start the second half of the season than what we saw in Pittsburgh on Sunday. And I'm at a loss right now, uh, Rich, uh, you know, trying to digest this and trying to make sense of it, but it's really, really hard. I think the answers, or at least the questions, are are pretty prominent and and self-explanatory, but finding the answers... To those pressing questions, uh, I think is going to be a challenge for the rest of the year. How are you doing? And I know that you, like me, have been following along on Twitter and social media, and, and Ram fans are, are 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 truly despondent right now, and rightfully so. Yeah, it is, Vinny. I mean, it's this is not what anybody expected, and that game in particular coming out of a bye week. We talked in the last episode about how Sean McVay had been very good coming out of the bye the last two weeks. He dealt with those long flights and, and cold weather and everything else, and it had never been a problem. And then this is just an, an awful performance. And Vinny, it's a little bit unfortunate because we're, we're going to break down this game from, from all facets. But, you know, I, I think it's fair to say up front that the defense played a winning game. And, and I know we're going to talk a lot about the offense, and we should, and everything that went wrong there, and there's a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it's fair to start off and say, you know, you you in particular, Vinny, talked about that need to bring a physical game with that environment, with that weather, everything. The Rams defense played a winning game. And it's it's unfortunate for them that they did everything that they needed to do. And the offense just gave them absolutely no support. But, Vinny, th- this is a Rams team. It, it's built around the offense. It's what we've seen for the last two years. And the, the defense can have a good game. And it did. Uh, but that offense just was not there. So I know we're going to break that down from from every angle. It is it is not one thing that is that is holding back this Rams offense. It's a number of things. So we're we're going to talk about each one of those things in in excruciating detail. I'm sure. But uh, Vinny, to start off, um, you uh, broke some news uh, recently uh, on on Twitter. A, a very unfortunate announcement from from my perspective and and from the perspective of Rams fans, but for, for those who haven't heard or, or maybe aren't on social media, uh, do, do you have anything to tell us, Vinny? 
Yeah, uh, bittersweet. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But uh, I'm actually entering my last week as the Rams beat writer for The Athletic. I've accepted a position with the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, to be the, the lead uh, Raiders beat writer um, for, for the Review Journal. And part of part of that uh, you know decision means uh, me having to go up to the Bay Area for basically the last month of the season. I get there next weekend. Uh, start on the 18th and, and cover the rest of the Raiders season from the Bay Area. Uh, and it looks like that could be a pretty exciting uh, finish for, for the Raiders. They've definitely positioned themselves pretty well for a playoff run. Uh, but then after the season's over, then it's it's uh, moving to Las Vegas with my family and and uh, starting a new journey and a new chapter. It's I'm, I'm beyond excited about it. I just think, you know, the Raiders brand and, and – and the iconic city that Las Vegas is, the growing um, you know market that it is, sports market. Um, it's there's going to be a lot of stories to tell, and I'm excited to tell them. But definitely a, a bittersweet uh, as well because I truly enjoy covering the Rams. I love working for the Athletic. I love working with you, Rich, uh, and our great producer Danielle. Um, you know, and, and just serving Ram fans. Uh, we've been through a lot. You know, going all the way back to uh, relocation and and the roller coaster ride that that was, and you know, getting getting the Rams uh, back home to Los Angeles and 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 covering um, them on a daily basis ever since, and all the trials and tribulations. Uh, I one of the so it's regretful that I'm gonna you know I'm jumping ship basically, and and one of the things that I keep thinking about is that after everything that we've all been through, to not be there for the opening of the brand new stadium, uh, which is obviously a big component to the Rams coming back. Uh, is a little disheartening. Uh, I'm sure, you know, covering covering the Raiders, I'll be here, you know, once a year back in Los Angeles with the Chargers, uh, you know, obviously playing uh, in SoFi Stadium as well. And hopefully there's going to be some preseason games with the Rams. Uh, but it is bittersweet. Um, uh, excited, but also a, a little down that I'm that I'm leaving the Athletic and leaving the Rams uh, beat. Yeah, same here, Vinny. I mean, it's we know this industry and, and people move around a lot and nobody takes it personally. And I know nobody at the Athletic takes it personally. We, we we all wish Vinny all the best. It's it's been uh, Vinny and I have worked together uh, on and off, but I think more on than off yeah. than, for twenty years. Vinny, it was ninety nine when I started at the Daily News. Um, so I, I can't believe I can't believe you're that old. You know, I, I mean, I, I know I'm that old, but uh, but uh, you, you don't seem to be aging quite as much. But uh, congratulations, Vinny, no. first of all, and uh, Vinny will be with us for one more episode. This is not the the last uh, Vinny. Uh, led episode of 11 personnel and by the way we will keep going uh, people asked on on twitter you know, we, you know what, what we're going to do what the future of the podcast is we, we will figure that out it certainly will not be the same with without vinnie bonsignor uh but but we will find a way for for the rest of the season so congratulations vinnie truly and uh we'll we'll, we'll talk more uh, at the end of the week uh, during your final episode and and say our goodbyes and everything but uh, congratulations and wow vinnie your, your last game you you really went out so uh, on a high note there i mean just you know everybody happy everybody uh you know just just great feelings uh, great reaction to your story i'm sure but uh, you know let's let's break this down a little bit because people are going to want to talk about it there, there's got to be some catharsis here for for rams fans and and we understand you know and and you know as a beat writer you're there all the time uh, it, it is. It is frustrating when, when you have those high expectations and, and you look at the standings now and and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to even make the playoffs. Let's be honest, just with the way the Rams are playing right now, where they sit, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. It doesn't mean they can't do it. But Vinny, I, I think you, you hinted at it a couple minutes ago. The problems that they face 
Uh, there are certain things that you can turn around during a season, and there are certain things that you can't. Uh, as you sit there right now, do, do you think during a season uh, that that this can get turned around uh, enough to, to be a playoff team? Uh, I still think that they can make the playoffs. Obviously, they're going to have to basically, you know, win out or maybe one more loss, um, you know, uh, just to be on the safe side. Um, but the, you know, the, the problems are, are prominent. I mean, you know, and they've been they've been uh, consistent throughout the year. And uh, we'll, let's just jump right into it. I think that there's two things that are really going on right here that are that that are weighing this whole thing down and affecting everything really at least from an offensive standpoint and by the way I agree with you you know the, the Rams defense didn't just play a winning game on on Sunday against the Steelers they they in a lot of ways dominated yeah. um, the Steelers offense now granted you know they're playing without Big Ben so it's a backup quarterback in there you have to account for that but the Rams defense played really really well and we're let down and talking to Austin Blythe after the game he basically said you know we let the defense down today there's no there's no question about it uh, but getting back to the to, to what's really you know hurting the Rams right now uh, is a uh, there's obviously some sort of a plan in place to deal with Todd Gurley and it's forcing Sean McVay to completely coach around a huge issue. Uh, and I've said this all along. I feel like Sean McVay is coaching with one arm tied behind his back. Uh, trying to preserve Todd Gurley and try to manage Todd Gurley, and while also trying to win football games, you've taken a huge component out of out of, out of Sean McVay's offense uh, because of this situation, and I don't see that being rectified anytime soon. Sunday was a prime example. Todd Gurley has 73 yards on 12 carries for the first three quarters. He's not in the game to start the fourth quarter in a five-point game. Uh, was on the sidelines for the first two series of that quarter. It was a critical quarter, and they had to punt both of those possessions with Malcolm Brown out there. Uh, and then, lo and behold, the you know Steelers take eight minutes off the clock, so they basically negated Todd Gurley by a not using him, and then the Steelers just wiping the you know the clock uh, away on that and that fourteen play eight minute drive that they had. So you have that, and to discount how much that actually affects um, the Rams' offense, having the coach around that issue, uh, I think is not doing that issue justice. It's it's really cumbersome. For Sean McVay having having to deal with that. Number two, the offensive line just isn't as good as it's been. Uh, it it hasn't been all year. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a transition, um, you know, going for, away from Roger Saffold and John Sullivan, the left guard and and center, and then you know Brian Allen, a first year starter at center, Joe Noteboom, a first year starter at left guard. There was going to be a transition, but I don't think that that transition has gone as successfully as the Rams had hoped. And on top of that, now you have a slew of injuries. I mean, it was, you know, it was like who's on third at the end of Sunday's game trying to figure out where everyone was. I mean, you had Austin Blythe playing center. You had uh, David Edwards moving from left guard to, or excuse me, right guard to, to, to right tackle to replace an injured Rob Havenstein. Uh, Brian Allen was out of the game. Uh, you, you know, Austin Corbett was, was, was in the game. Uh, Shelton, <laughs> you know, was, was in the game. Guys that you haven't, guys that haven't even been dressing out necessarily for games was all, all of a sudden were playing, you know, big minutes uh, on, on Sunday in the offensive line. And, and when you can't block things, when you can't protect plays, there's really no sense in even trying to call them or execute them because it's just not going to happen. And we saw that time and time again. 
Um, and and I asked Sean, I go, you know, do the do the offensive line uh, issues affect your play calling? And he was emphatic on yes. It was I, I was actually a little bit surprised by his uh, candor uh, when I asked him that. Uh, but you can see it. Obviously, the plays are different. You're not. You can't call the long. Uh, you know the the concepts that they really like to or the hang their hat on uh, in the pass game. The longer plays that need time to develop and time for the wide receivers to run their routes and time for Jared Goff to kind of scan the field and make the play. Things that he's really good at. The things that the the Rams offense is really good at. But if you can't block it and give the necessary time, it's it's just not going to work, and that we see that over and over again. Let's go back to Todd Gurley real quick. If Todd, if the offensive line was better, even the Todd Gurley situation would be better uh, because number one, I think he would get more yards because there would be bigger holes, obviously, but also his backups would probably be play, playing better too to kind of help balance the whole thing. But when you're not blocking it in the pass game and in the run game, it affects everything, and I think that we're seeing that, and so. Trying to figure that out during the season, I don't think it's really going to happen. I don't think that you know Todd Gurley's magically going to get better, uh, and I obviously they're they're not they're going to stick to the plan with him because him not getting any carries in the fourth quarter or even to start the fourth quarter is indicative of they're sticking to the plan. Obviously, we were wondering if they mm-hmm. would, and they did. So that tells us kind of all we need to know. Now, hopefully. Uh, or maybe that changes in the future. But if it did, if it wasn't going to change on Sunday, what's to think it's going to change the following Sunday or the following Sunday after that? And as far as the offensive line goes, I think this is an off-season issue at this point. I think they got to make some fixes and bring some new players in, invest some dra- higher draft picks, free agency market, all of which isn't going to happen until March and beyond of 2020. So they're just going to have to deal with it right now. But those are two huge issues that have completely sabotage the Rams offense yeah I want to break down each of these and and also talk about Jared Goff a little bit too because I I think he certainly ties in to both of these things but but he can be discussed on his own too but let's talk about Todd Gurley Vinny because this has been a discussion since our, our first podcast you know and and we didn't know exactly how this would look this season and I know fans you know readers listeners get frustrated because they want to know what's going on they want to know exactly what the plan is. They want to know exactly how Todd Gurley's knee is, whether it's 100%, 50%. And we understand this. And we want to know the same things, okay? And and those questions are asked, have been asked repeatedly since, I don't know, the, the combine, I, I think, going back to the combine. And we, we've yeah. had answers. And the thing that I, I hope people understand is we, we can't, as reporters, we can't force people to give certain answers, I know fans get frustrated and they, they want certain answers. They want certain questions to be asked, but, but you can only ask a question so many times and, and get the same answers. Uh, and eventually Vinny, the, the answers reveal themselves. Okay. Ta- uh, Sean McVay can say whatever, Les Need can say whatever, but the, the, the proof comes out on the field and, and what we've now seen, and, and you just touched on it, Vinny is if it's not happening now, it's not going to happen, okay? We are now two full months into the season, nine games into the season. The Rams are in a playoff race. Just, just They're battling just to make the playoffs. And Todd Gurley got 12 carries and did not have one, not, did not have a touch in the fourth quarter. So if it's not happening now, it's not going to happen. Now, maybe after the season, whenever that is, 
we, we will get some more definitive answers. Maybe at that point, since there's no more game planning to do, there's no more opponents to play mind games with, whatever it may be, maybe then there, there's a little bit more you know, forthcoming answers, whatever. There's a little bit better of an explanation as to what exactly was going on. But it's fair to conclude now, Vinny, I think that, that as you said, this, this is the plan. Uh, I, I don't know what the scenario is at this point where it's, it's going to change significantly. If it didn't change in this game, uh, one that the Rams really needed to win, then I, I don't know what's going to change it. We, we saw, I mean, Todd Gurley was running the ball well uh, when, when he did get the carries. He, he showed that burst. He had a nice, what was a 22-yard run. He was, he was moving the chains. And, and then it just it all broke down. So whatever it is that's going on, uh, it's it's just the reality for the Rams right now. I, I talked in the last episode about establishing an identity with the run game. I didn't see it. I did not see anything that made me think there was any kind of rhythm or any kind of you know definitive plan or anything. It just kind of looked like well, you know now it's now it's Malcolm's turn. Well now it's Todd's turn. No now it's Malcolm's turn. And and it's just it's not working for me. And I don't think it's working for either one of those guys. It's not working for the offensive line. It's not working for Jared Goff. Um, so it, it's something, Vinny, that, again, I, I think they're going to have to address after the season, whether it's, it's bringing in another running back uh, to, to help carry the load or whatever it may be, might be. But it, it just doesn't look like it's working right now. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm not here to make excuses for Sean McVay, but he's, he's, been, put, he's been put in a really bad uh, position um, because he, he's sort of the face of the whole thing here. And, and I think that you know a couple of things – uh, I asked him about you know the the fourth quarter usage and um, his, his answer was pretty interesting uh, and he basically he indicated that a lot of times those decisions are he trusts his coaches um, to make those decisions on who's in and who's out and he just calls the plays you know uh, based on who's on the field and he's not over there going okay put Todd in okay put this person in it's it's that's happening you know um, uh, outside of of him right. he just coaches. And calls plays for who's on the field, so you have that number one. So in in some ways, it's out of his hands, I guess. Uh, in you know when when Todd Gurley's on the field, I also think that you know he's got a player to consider, and I, I something tells me that in some ways he's following Todd's lead on this. Like I'm sure they've talked. Like what do you want me to really say about all this? I'll I'll um, I'll respect your wishes. So I think a lot of his answers are in fitting with whatever game plan they came up with. And I have to say this too. If you're Todd Gurley, all right, and you're completely healthy and um, you want the rock and, and you're a competitor and all that, why don't you, if, if, if let's just say, cause, cause let's just say that Sean McVay is just, you know, calling this by his gut. All right. And, and Todd Gurley's uh, off the field just because, you know, that's what he thinks is best, all right? Don't you think Todd Gurley at some point would say, give me the damned ball. Stop. I don't know what you're doing, coach, but I need the ball, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, it's winning time. You know, I'm your, I'm your horse. I'm, your, I'm your, uh, one of your greatest offensive weapons, one of the greatest off- offensive weapons in the NFL. I don't need to be standing on the sidelines. Give me the ball more than 12, 13 times a game. Don't you find it conspicuous that there's not been a peep from Todd Gurley about any of that? Last night, he was asked clearly, hey, 
do you, you know, kind of, I'm paraphrasing the question, but the gist of the question was, you know, would you like the ball more? Are you not happy? Are you, are you, uh, does it upset you that you're not getting the, that you're not getting the ball more? And specifically against the Steelers, you didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. Uh, no, not really. I'm kind of used to it. Don't you think that if something wasn't going on, he would have been like, hell yeah, I'm pissed off. I need the ball and I'm starting to get mad and I'm going to start making it known that I want the ball, but we're not getting any of that. That to me is, is, is revealing. So uh, again, not to make excuses for Sean, but I think there's picture it this way or think of it this way. When you have a pitcher that's coming off, you know, shoulder surgery or Tommy John surgery or whatever the case might be, usually the next season there's a mandate like, Hey, He's on a 90-pitch pitch count, period. I don't care if he's pitching a no-hitter, throwing a no-hitter. He's out after 90 games That's or after 90 pitches. That's the plan. I have to believe there's an organizational mandate and an organizational plan that has been made above Sean McVay that dictates Todd Gurley's uh, usage. And, and I, I just think that we're seeing that. And in a lot of ways, Sean McVay is taking one by, you know, one for the team and how he has to address it on a daily basis. And then also how, how he has to coach around it in his game plan. Yeah. Two things, Vinny. And I, I agree with you on one and a half of them. Uh, first is, yes, I, I agree about Todd Gurley. And, and in part because we've seen this before from Todd. I mean, you, you go back to, to 2016 when, when things were just, you know, awful. And, and Todd was not a wallflower. I mean, he was not sitting there just going, hmm, ho-hum, I don't care. He was getting upset after some of those games. And we all remember the infamous, you know, it it looks like a middle school offense or, or whatever the, the exact phrasing was. I think that was it. So Todd is has that in him. He's a, he can be a fiery guy. He's not typically you know one who just sits there and ho hum. I don't I don't care. And uh, you know it is a little unfortunate. And I, I think people I've, I've even seen some of the comments uh, after he does his press conference and people go, "Wow, he just doesn't seem to have that you know kind of spark or whatever." And yeah, for for whatever reason, uh, I don't I don't know. Maybe that's something that will reveal itself. Uh, after the season as well. But I agree with you, Vinny. I mean, these guys are competitive and, and in those situations, if they feel like they're not being utilized the right way, uh, they're, they're not hesitant to say it. So the, there's certainly something uh, under the surface there. Exactly what it is, I, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and on McVeigh, I, I agree. And, and I, I think both of those things that we've talked about, Todd Gurley and the offensive line, have uh, handcuffed him in a way. He's not able to call the same type of offense. He's not able to use the same type of play sheet that he has used in the past. However, I I think that those are just the cards that you're dealt, and you got to play them. Uh, there's not, you sure. know, I, I don't. It's it's unfortunate. It's not ideal. It's not what he would like. It's not what anybody would like. Uh, but the thing that struck me, Vinny, and and I mentioned this on Twitter last night. We we talked about it in in the last episode how they would use that bye week and, and how those coaches would be just drilling, even though the players were off, the coaches would be in the office, they'd be studying that film, pouring over those eight games, trying to figure out what was working, what wasn't, what they could do different. And Vinny, I watched that game yesterday, and, and I, I don't watch it from the coach's perspective, and I'm sure there's things that I miss, so I'll, I'll put that you know caveat, that asterisk on it. But Vinny, I'm watching that game, and I'm going, what, what was different? 
you know what 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 were the new wrinkles? What were the new uh, things that were that were going to help Jared Goff? That were going to help the run game? I didn't see it. Uh, to me, it looked very much the same, and it it didn't adapt and it didn't change during the game. And I just came away going, you know, what was going on during that bye week? And by the way, Vinny, I, I want you to to address that and, and share your thoughts, having having seen it live. But let me just say. You know, people people get very upset after a game, and and I understand. And you know, you get on Twitter. Oh, oh Sean McVay should be on the hot seat. You know, Les Snead should be on the hot seat. And I think there's a difference between you know fair criticism and saying you know what's going on here, uh, and and crossing that that very very large wide bridge to uh, that somebody should be on the hot seat. Let's keep things in a little bit of perspective here. The Rams literally were just in the Super Bowl uh, nine to ten months ago. So I understand the, the the need to vent a little bit, the catharsis, the, you know, not wanting this to snowball and turn into something very bad. But I would hope that the people, you know, kind of got that out of their system last night because if, if you're literally talking about that the Rams need to fire Sean McVay, uh, there's there's going to be a lot of people around the league shaking their heads at you, but but Vinny, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I, I expected to see more. I got to be honest, coming out of the bye week, I expected to see something different, something just some type of change that that might you know spark that offense a little bit, and and I didn't really see it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, first of all, as far as the Sean McVay should be on the hot seat, that's just stupid. Sorry, <laughs> but it's dumb. It's stupid. Um, come on, let's 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 get a hold of ourselves here. And uh, to use an example of how this sometimes works in the NFL, or just how sometimes you know seasons because of certain situations uh, can go sideways a little on you. I, I look at the Minnesota Vikings in 2017. They're 13 and three. Last year they're eight and seven. Why? Because their offensive line was horrible. I mean, it was bad. Okay, and Kirk Kirk Cousins took a lot of the blame, much like uh, Jared Goff is right now. But they just couldn't block for him. They couldn't run. There was nothing uh, going on. Now they're now they're seven and three, and basically in control of the uh, of the of the wild card, and it's still up and up, up uh, uh, for grabs for them in the in the divi- division. What they do? Well, number one, Dalvin Cook got healthy. Number two, they they redid the offensive line, and it wasn't with major free agents. It was with you know uh, some guys getting better that were currently on the team, but also uh, a, a high draft pick of a center, um, you know that they brought in. But the the point is that they made it an emphasis to fix the offensive line, and now the entire offense is completely different. It's better again. It's 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 functional again. Last year it wasn't. So it wasn't firing the coach. It was just getting better, making the improvements that are needed from a personnel standpoint. I think the Rams this year, and we talked about it at the beginning of the year, and we basically said the key to this whole thing is going to be whether they could block or not. Didn't yep. we not? That's what we talked about. That was the primary uh, 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 question going into the season was, will this revamped offensive line respond? And it hasn't. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, the the young players didn't you know, farewell. I also think Andrew Whitworth has taken a bit of a step back. Rob Havenstein has taken a bit of a step back. Austin Blythe has taken, a, a, you know, a, a bit of a step back. Some of that is injury related. I think I think uh, Austin's playing with a, with an injury uh, that that still isn't probably completely healed on the on the ankle injury that he suffered against the Saints. Might sound like an excuse, but sometimes there's nuance uh, in life, and 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 that exists. I think Havenstein might be dealing with a little bit of something as well. So, 
the offensive line just didn't play as well as the Rams were hoping and the Rams needed them to. And it's it's affected everything. And then on top of that, you have the Todd Gurley situation. And yeah, it's easy to blame Sean McVay for the plays that he's calling the game planning. Uh, were there some new wrinkles? I didn't necessarily see it. But again, and I asked Sean this specifically, do the offensive line issues change how you play games? And, and he said, Absolutely it does. I mean, he was pretty emphatic about it. And I, I, I applaud him for the candor because that's an that's obvious. It's obvious. Any coach will tell you, you know, you could draw up the most exotic plays, the most exotic concepts, the, the most creative, uh, you know, schematic plan imaginable. But if you can't block it, it's not going anywhere. It's the key to everything. And right now, that part of the Rams offense has just completely let them down. It's unfortunate. The defense is playing at at a division winning level um, and a and a playoff level, um, but the offense just isn't. And I, and I think that does obviously Jared Goff deserves criticism. He would be the first to tell you that. But look, he's not a guy that um, is going to win games with his legs or or you know making plays. Uh, you know when things break down, he's just not that quarterback. But he's really really good when you do have a strong offensive line, and a strong running game. And to say that, well, anybody can do that is ludicrous. That's not true right. at all. Uh, there's there's people out there, there's quarterbacks that just can't function no matter what uh, the situation is, no matter how favorable it is around you on an NFL uh, football field. He can, and he's proven that. And the Rams mandate from this point forward, and more more than anything it's going to have to, ha- have to happen in the offseason, is getting it right again around Jared Goff. I go back to 2016 when he looked, you know, like like a bust. A lot of people were calling him a bust. The reality is, the offensive line wasn't yeah. good. There, the skill players weren't good, and obviously at that point too, the coaching wasn't all that good. So fix what's around Jared Goff and give him a better chance, and I think he'll be fine. But fixing those issues is priority number one. I would invest every draft pick that I have in offensive line and maybe another running back because they need to get this situation dealt with and not waste any more time doing it. Uh, and if they do, I think they'll be right back on track. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Vinny. And and it's absolutely right. And The Rams know what they have in Jared Goff. And every quarterback has his strengths and has his weaknesses. And I'm not even saying this is necessarily weakness for, for Jared Goff, but he performs at his best when it's, it's not even just a physical thing, I, I don't think, with Jared, you know, to where he has that time in the pocket. But it's that mental thing, too, to know to know that you're going to be protected, to know that you can keep your eyes down the field, that you can make your reads. And and he was able to do those things in 2017 and 2018. And Vinny, I don't think the point is to relitigate what what the Rams did in the offseason, but it, it's fair. To, we, we talked about this. I think if you go back to the very first episode of this podcast, it, it, was, it was something that came up. The Rams took a gamble. And, and I'm not even yep. saying that they took a bad gamble because they knew they had a couple players to replace. Uh, they knew they probably weren't going to be able to sign Roger Saffold. They knew they probably wanted to move on from John Sullivan because of whatever, you know, his age and, and declining play a little bit. And they bet that they would be able to replace those guys internally. And it was not at the time a terrible bet because they'd done it before and they had so much confidence in, in Aaron Cromer and, and things that he'd been able to do 
with those guys. I mean, he, he kind of transformed Roger Saffold, turned him into a Pro Bowl caliber player. He brought in Austin Blythe and, and turned him into a starting caliber player. Rob Havenstein showed good improvement. And, and, you know, Aaron took these guys and really molded them in, into a, a great unit. So it was not a terrible bet to say, okay, he can take Joe Noteboom and he, he can take Brian Allen and he can take a, a relatively inexperienced Austin Blythe and kind of mold them in, into a unit that, that is going to be good for Jared Goff. It just didn't work. And, and, you know, sometimes things don't work out and, and it can be a reasonable plan and, and, and just not work out. And, and I think that's, that's what we're seeing here. They just, they didn't have that experience and, and they didn't have experience behind those guys. And, and we talked about that too, at the beginning of the year, what if somebody gets hurt? which is almost inevitable in the NFL. Well, then they have to bring in Jamil Demby, and Jamil Demby isn't quite ready to play. Then they have to bring in David Edwards, and well, you know, that's a little bit up and down, and they have to move him and move Austin Blythe over. So, you know, these are not things we didn't know about, and and they're things that could have worked out. Um, the other thing, and, and you touched on this, Vinny, is, is I don't think anybody anticipated that the tackles were, were going to slide a little bit. I, I think everybody looked at that and thought, well, you know, those are two guys that no matter what's going on with the interior, those those tackles are going to play at a high level and, and they'll protect Eric Goff. And it, it's just not happening on, on, a, on a week-to-week basis. I mean, people, we, we, we can talk a little bit more about Jared, and I think we should, but look at some of those plays and just watch how the entire pocket collapses at once. I mean, it's almost like, a, you know, the roof falling in on him where he's just, he's back there. And then all of a sudden it's, it's not one guy on him. It's like two or three guys on him at once. And, and when that happens, that's telling you that there's just breakdowns all over the place. So here's the thing, Vinny, and I'm going to throw this back at you and it's, it's all hindsight. It's all backseat driving. I, I get it, but it, it's kind of, you know, what we have to do. You, you talked about how the Rams have to address this in the off season. But now they've given away draft picks, and not given away, they've traded away draft picks for for valuable pieces. Um, They still have to address left tackle, whether it's bringing back Andrew for another season or whether it's replacing him. They don't know what's going to go on with Joe Noteboom. He's going to have a long recovery from his knee injury. Uh, There's questions all over this line. Uh, is this something, are, are they going to have to revamp this line during the offseason or, or can they make tweaks that, that are going to help this? I mean, the, the, the answers to me, Vinny, are, are not obvious here. Yeah, no, it's and it's going to be difficult and you're dealing with, you know, some, some limited uh, money uh, for, for free agency. Um, yeah. And even even at that, who's available, you know, who, who would be available right. that's going to be able to be an upgrade, um, you know, at, at a line position. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to hope, number one, uh, that Brian Allen is better next year. They're going to have to hope that, you know, Joe Noteboom uh, recovers. I mean, he's, I mean, technically, I, you know, he'd be your left tackle uh, if, if he was healthy right now. And Andrew decides to retire at the end of the year. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I mean, right. there's, there's probably a 50-50 chance right. that that does happen. Noteboom was always kind of earmarked for that, for that position. Um, you, you know, so, so, I, I go back to the Vikings again. Young players got better. You know, young players who struggled mightily last year got better this year. So to just – and this is something that I try to advise fans. You can't just keep jumping off and on guys, you know, at, at 
because it's not happening as quickly as you would hope it, it would happen. Uh, it, it just doesn't work that way sometimes in the NFL. Everybody has a different time clock um, in their in their development, and sometimes you just have to suck it up for a little while while guys are making that transition. We don't know where Joe Nopum would be right now if he was completely healthy. He might have got it squared away and turned around and been a dominating left guard. I don't know that. I'm not saying that that's exactly what would have happened, but we don't know because he got hurt and now he's no longer there. So guys do get better, especially offensive linemen. That's a very um, development-oriented position, especially going from college where the game in a lot of ways is completely different than what's happening in the NFL. There's just so much to learn, so much to do differently at this level compared to the college level. So you have to give guys time uh, but they're gonna have to you know I look at they have a second round pick right a third round pick a fourth round right. pick um, so they have high picks that can go to offensive linemen and and if you look around the league it's not like all these great offensive linemen were picked in the first round there's a lot of misses uh, with high first round um, you know offensive linemen uh, there's some really good ones but there's some guys that that there's misses on. It's no exact science, and there's tr- many, many, many really good offensive linemen that were drafted in the second round and beyond. So I think the Rams really need to just zero in on that position. I know we always talk about best player available, but they need to do. They need to bring in some offensive linemen uh, at the earliest moments in the draft and just jump on them uh, to to create some competition and to help get that going. And obviously tap into the free agent market. I have to look to see who is available, but there has to be somebody out there that they can, that they can, you know, feel comfortable that they can, you know, uh, put in as a plug, plug in starter immediately. So, uh, so that's something that they're going to have to deal with in the, in the off season. But I think they can, it's not impossible to get, I look again, the Vikings, the Vikings turned their offensive line over uh, from last year to this year. And it was horrible last year. Go look at how bad they really were and how bad, how, how much it affected Kirk Cousins and how differently he looks this year with an offensive line that can block and an offensive line that's that's creating a run game, a strong running game for him to play off. It's very Rams-like uh, in terms of what they're trying to do offensively or what they're now able to do offensively because they're blocking it better. So, you know, uh, it's, it's disheartening to think about for Rams fans that it's probably not going to happen this off this this season during the season, um, you know, you can settle it down to some extent and and figure out some things that you can do. Like Sunday's game was a was a primary example. Eventually, they they, they pretty much just went to about two or three different plays. One was the out pattern to Gerald yeah. Everett, um, you know that, and, and the other one was a was a, a medium in the middle pass to to Everett uh, or the tight ends. Um, you know, they, they weren't doing anything downfield. The one time they did on that fourth down play, um, you know, it was a nice ball thrown to Josh Reynolds, but a, a better play made by the defensive back for the Steelers to, to break up what looked like had a chance to be a touchdown. There are some people who said it was a pass interference. Um, I have to look back at the at the tape to, to check to see that. But that was right. The only time they really went downfield was on that fourth down play. Everything else was just short, intermediate passes because really – that's kind of all they can do uh, on Sunday. Now, granted, the Steelers are a good defense, and they bring a lot of pressure. You're not going to always see that on a week-to-week basis. But, uh, hello, the Bears are coming in next week, and then the Ravens the week after. They Both of those teams are known for exactly the same thing, so it's not going to get easier in this immediate future for the Rams. They're playing probably the two worst possible uh, matchups coming up these next couple of weeks, and it started on Sunday, really, for that young 
hurt, inexperienced offensive line and and a vulnerable Todd Gurley. It's just a recipe for disaster these next few weeks. Yeah, and then that's why we said. I mean, it, it sounded almost alarmist or whatever. But that that Pittsburgh game was was kind of a must win. I mean, you you, you can't be giving those games away. And I'm not dumping on the Steelers. They're, they played a good game, but given what the Rams have coming up, like you just said, uh, it's it's not going to get easier. And and they, they can't afford to be giving away these games. They're already falling behind in, in this wild card race. race. I mean, Minnesota won again yesterday. Uh, the, the Seahawks play tonight. So, I mean, the Rams are sitting at five and four. Uh, Seattle can go to eight and two tonight if, if they win. And, and Minnesota's already at seven and three. So they're already a game and a half up. So it's, it's not going to get any easier. And, and Vinny, just to circle back, I, I agree 100%. We're, we're you know, kind of preaching doom and gloom about the line. But you don't have to look any farther than the Rams. You know, what they did from 2016 to 2017 to talk about how you can do turn things around. I mean, they obviously made one big signing in Andrew Whitworth, so that was that was a big ticket free agent who they brought in. They took a chance on John Sullivan. I mean, when when that signing took place, everybody kind of looked at that and went, you know, this guy has a bad back; he can't stay on the field, and and it worked pretty well for the next two years. And, and then they settled guys in at different positions, and they made a big transition from from one year to the next. Uh, it, it's just it's going to take something similar this year, whether it's bringing in a free agent agent, whether it's uh, a trade, whether it's hitting on a, a, a draft pick. You, you talked about you know not needing a first-round pick. Don't look any farther than Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth was a, a late second-round pick. So uh, clearly, you can, you can go out and find somebody who can, who can have an immediate impact. Um, it's just that I agree, Vinny. You, you, it's it's going to have to be more targeted. They're not just going to be able to sit there and say, "Well, we like this player, so we're going to take him." No, it, you're really, really going to have to address that offensive line, whether it's free agency or whether it's the draft, and it's it's going to have to be priority number one. Uh, but Vinny, let's talk about one more thing about the offense, and that is Jared Goff. And and it's it's very hard sometimes to separate things because. Like you said at the start, all of these things tie in. I mean, nothing happens in a vacuum. The, the, the quarterback play, the run game, the offensive line, the pass game, they, they all weave together. And, and if one takes a little bit of a dip, then everything else comes down. But Vinny, how do you look at Jared's game in particular? 22 of 41, 243, he does not throw a touchdown. He throws a, a couple of interceptions, the fumbles. Uh, he sacked four times, so he, again, was under a considerable, a considerable amount of pressure. Here's the thing that gets me about Jared, Vinny, and, and maybe this circles back to what we were talking about before with the offensive line. I, I, I think I need to see him having a little bit better presence in that pocket. Um, every quarterback is, is going to face some type of pressure, uh, but I, I don't see him taking that little, whether it's a step up in the pocket, whether it's it's sensing that, okay, I got to get out of this pocket and try to make something on the move. I, I'm just, I'm not seeing that right now. And and again, I, I think that's almost where it's more mental than it is physical. But, you know, he, he kind of drops back and, and looks downfield and then it's like, that's it. You know, if, it, if it's a clean pocket, he's going to be able to make a throw. And if not, then he, he's going to get hit. I, I don't, he doesn't look to me to be in a rhythm. 
He doesn't look particularly comfortable to where it's, you know, oh, okay, I feel this coming from the left side. I'm going to bounce up or I feel it coming, you know, up the middle. So I'm going to, you know, roll out and try to make something on the run. Uh, And again, I know the offensive line plays a big part in that. And sometimes you just don't have that time. But he just, it it looks, it doesn't look comfortable to me, Vinny. And and I don't know how to put it in any different term than that. But uh, how much of this is is the offensive line and and how much of it is Jared just kind of feeling, sensing maybe that, that things just aren't right? Well, um, I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm gonna say 90 percent offensive line, and you know, sitting there um, on Sunday in Pittsburgh, the thing that that really struck me was, um, you know, as far as stepping out or you know rolling out or or you know avoid, there was nothing. I, it wasn't there. There were no open lanes because yeah. it was it was it was being pushed from the inside and then just surrounded from the outside there was nothing to do really and and you know, you, you you said it without even i don't even think you, you uh you know you said it was that it was either going to be a clean pocket or he was going to get hit like he was thinking that it wasn't just right. that he was thinking that that's exactly what was happening right it was either for, every once in a while he'd have a clean pocket and would make a, a, a nice throw but far too often it was the complete opposite and when you have three fumbles as a quarterback that means you're getting hit. He's not fumbling the ball. The ball's not just coming out of his, you know, uh, he's not just dropping it, you know, uh, uh, haphazardly. It's because he's getting hit and the ball's getting, you know, uh, uh, taken from him or, or dislodged from him. Um, so that's another issue. And then the sacks, four of the sacks, uh, the two interceptions, probably trying to rush it. Uh, yeah, he deserves some blame, but I just, I've, I've, I don't know. I feel like I've seen this happen before. It was in 2016 when he was a rookie, and I said at the time, I don't care what quarterback you're talking about. Nobody was going to survive or play well in that in that uh, offense with that offensive line and and everything else that was going on. So, um, you know, he deserves some criticism. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he doesn't, but this isn't on him. He's a good quarterback when you have everything else functioning around him. And that's not a knock on him. That's really the case for pretty much every quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, is, is an outlier. I mean, he's so good in so many other ways, you know, athletically and, and can move around and just has, you know, a knack. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, the same thing. But, you know, even those guys, as good as they are, uh, if you're not – if you don't have, you know uh, – Good players around them, or or, a high, or players functioning at a high level around him, they're not going to go very far. They may look great, they may throw for 400 yards, it may look fun and and great, but at the end of the day, they're not winning games. They're still not winning games, and I think that um, you know uh, he gets knocked for being quote unquote a system quarterback. Well, everyone's basically a system quarterback. You're at the mercy in a lot of ways, or you're just tied in a lot of ways to everything else that's going on around you. And right now it's not working around Todd girl or excuse me, Jared Goff uh, from the offensive line and, and the running game. And he's, he's bearing the brunt of that being asked. We've said this before. He's being asked to do more with far less than he has the last couple of years. And it's just not working. He's not that kind of a quarterback. Uh, and for, for, for the Rams to get him back to an elite status, 
they need to fix what's around him. If they do that, I think he's got a really good chance to, to still be a really good quarterback, but it's pretty obvious that he's not getting the necessary help around him. Yeah, and and you know, I, I issued that criticism of Jared, but but I agree, Vinny, and I, I watched rewatched the, the Rams offensive series last night, just looking specifically for that stuff. And it's it just it wasn't there a lot of the times. You're right. And and there are times when, you know, one guy, let let's say an outside linebacker beats the tackle and you know he's coming at the quarterback and the quarterback senses it can step up or can you know run run, draw whatever that that's really not what was happening yesterday I mean he it it was just like a a rush onslaught yeah it was like an avalanche I mean it wasn't it wasn't just one guy coming off the edge and oh you know Jared doesn't have the sense to to get rid of the ball or to tuck it and run whatever I mean it was like you know snap you know beat beat and then boom like the pocket just collapses on him all at once from from every angle and and when that's happening it's it's hard to put that on the quarterback and and again I think that's as I say this over and over but I, I think that as a quarterback that that gets to your head a little bit when when you see that continuing to happen to you and it's I'm not saying that you expect it to happen but it's certainly in your head when when you take the snap like all right, well, what's going to happen here you know how much time am I going to have before before the the world caves in on me so uh you know the the, the great ones do adjust to that and and certainly Jared can be better in certain ways but uh, the best thing that they can do for him is is to find a way to to get that better protection, or I don't know what it is, whether it's you know, rolling him out more, or you know, designed to, to to get him away from some of that stuff. I I don't know. I don't I don't get paid enough to figure that out. So that's that's John McVeigh's job. But, uh, but Vinny, let's let, let's try to end on something of a high note because uh, we've we've been uh, you know understandably negative about the offense, but uh, but that defensive effort was was pretty complete. And and you can start to see, you know, in the long term how this can come together. And and there's you know certain players that are going to have to come in and out. Uh, you know, they they might not be able to keep certain guys, Dante Fowler or whoever it might be. It's not going to be the exact same defense coming back. But but I think we saw yesterday from a scheme perspective and from an execution perspective. I mean that that's the kind of defense you want to see the Rams play. Troy Hill struggled a little bit. That's kind of Troy Hill. I mean, he you know, he's solid for a few games and and then he has one of those games where there's a little bit of a blip and and then he'll be solid again for a little while. So, you know, take that out, but but Vinny, I, just looking at the way that the Rams played and, and the execution, it, it made me think, okay, this this is kind of what they're going for, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And Troy was getting picked on. Uh, you know, I think they went away um, from Jalen Ramsey and went his direction. I thought he held up for the most part. I mean, he was in position on the touchdown throw. It was just a great catch, uh, you know, by, by the other guy. So sometimes you just have to tip your cap. I thought he was really physical. Uh, he stuck his nose in there on some on some run tackles. Um, so I thought he played a fairly uh, decent game. The whole, the whole defense did. And, you know, Dante Fowler continues – to play well um, on on off the edge, uh, Clay Matthews I thought you know looked good for his first game uh, after four games. Uh, Taylor Rapp, um, you know Marquis Christian, uh, Eric Weddle, the whole defense is playing well, and it's unfortunate because that was a winning game that they played on Sunday. The offense just didn't hold up its end of the bargain again, and uh, it's it's you know it's just disheartening because it's not they're not like. You know, I, and I wrote this. They're not god awful bad. They're not, you know, headed to the first pick of the draft or anything like that. Um, they're they're close to being, 
you know, where they were, but that, but those inches, I don't think are available to them right now. Um, and they're just going to have to hope for some, you know, almost perfect type of play, uh, squeak out wins, hope for some help around the NFL, uh, you know, to, to help their playoff chances. But I, I, I think that this is an issue that's more an off season issue than an in season issue. And, and, you know, it's, it's frustrating, uh, when that sometimes happens because, you know, there's a lot of other good things that are in place for the Rams right now. Uh, they're just missing two key ingredients that, frankly, I don't think that they're going to be able to find during this season. I agree. I agree. And, uh, Vinny, I, you, we saw it on social media. I mean, there, there's a couple camps of Rams fans right now. There, there's one who's still kind of optimistic and, you know, looking forward, and there's others who are kind of giving up on the season. So if you're the, if you're the type that's uh, still – somewhat optimistic, then uh, I have some weird news for you. you you're kind of going to have to cheer for the 49ers uh, when, when they play the Seahawks because uh, you got to start looking at those two wild card spots. And uh, the, the Seahawks, if they if they lose, they're 7-3, and then they're still kind of in the Rams' uh, you know eyesight, especially because they play them again. But uh, it, it's getting tough, and it, it's that situation where you exactly do not want to be when you get into November and December, which is where you're, you're really not in control of your own destiny and you, and you need other teams to, to help you. So, But that's the reality for the Rams right now, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's not going to be easy again on Sunday with, with that Bears uh, defense coming in. So, Vinny, tough one. Tough, tough game, and uh, probably not the game you wanted to go out on uh, as, as a beat writer, but uh, Vinny will be back with us at the end of the week. One last time, we'll uh, we'll share some memories, uh, maybe of, of our uh, time covering the Rams. It's, it's been a very interesting three years that, that Vinny has, has overseen, and more than that, really, because Vinny tracked the whole relocation process, even going back uh, many years before that, so I'm, I'm sure we'll get him to share some thoughts and then some reflections about how all that went. So, I I know it was a tough one, Rams fans, but th- thanks for listening. Thanks for, for sticking with us. I hope we helped your uh, your catharsis a little bit and uh, help you get over that uh, really frustrating uh, game. But but we will be back with you uh, to, to preview that Rams and, and Bears game on Sunday. And uh, during the week, you can follow along with us. Vinny uh, is at Vinny Bonsignor. I am at Rich underscore Hammond. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, I probably should have. But uh, in terms of the writing side of things, I will be uh, taking over for, for the rest of the season, trying to fill uh, Vinny's shoes. So don't, uh, those of you who are subscribers to The Athletic, we won't be letting our coverage uh, slip or fall off or anything like that. Uh, I'll, I'll be stepping in on on Sunday and for the rest of the year and, and trying to maintain that standard that, that Vinny has set. So uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Thanks for listening to the podcast and for all your great uh, reviews and, and ratings and all that. I really appreciate it. And uh, Vinny, one, one more time. Yeah, uh, I appreciate all the support, obviously, and it, it's funny because I'm looking at the standings right now, and uh, the Rams are five and four, and the team that I'm about ready to cover is five and four, but they couldn't be two more different five and fours, and it just shows you how crazy it is in the NFL, uh, man. It's it's it, it's it's a week to week thing sometimes, the momentum and trajectory and and all of that type of stuff plays into it, but you have one team uh, at five and four with the point arrow pointing up. In the Raiders, I believe, um, and you look at their schedule, and it's pretty favorable. And you have a Rams team that's five and four, and it's it's it looks like it's kind of headed in the in, in the wrong direction. But I, I I knowing this team, 
uh, I know that it's not that far off. And this might be a crummy year when it's all said and done, but that doesn't mean that it's going to have to be a crummy few years to come. I think that uh, the answers are, 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 are within the Rams' reach. They just have to make some hit on some pretty good draft picks and, and make some wise decisions in free agency to get that offensive line uh, uh, better. And some young guys need to get need to get better as well. But I do believe that Brian Allen can still be an NFL player, and I, I do believe David Edwards uh, is, is is on the come. So uh, you know, there's 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 things to build on there from an from inside the building, and I and I do think that some answers are going to come from the outside the building as well. For sure, and uh, you know, season not over we'll, we'll see what happens here there's, there's always the ability to make a run but it's it's not going to be easy so uh Vinny, i know uh, even after he leaves us we'll, we'll be following closely and uh, i'm sure we'll be uh, commenting on twitter and everything else uh, so but thanks everybody for for listening and uh, we will be back with you later this week thanks guys